Welcome to Piano Inspires podcast, celebrating pianists, teachers, and innovators as they share their inspiring stories about the transformative power of music. Hello, I'm Craig Sale, a senior editor with Piano Magazine and director of online courses for the Francis Clark Center. And it gives me great pleasure to have the opportunity to have a conversation today with Leah Claiborne. Uh, Dr. Leah Claiborne promotes diversity in the arts by championing piano music by black composers in her performances, research, and teaching. She has established the first diversity, equity, and inclusion column for American Music Teacher, where she regularly publishes articles providing resources and support to music educators across the country. Some recent recognitions include the Stecker and Horowitz Power of Innovation Award, Yamaha's 40 Under 40 Most Influential Music Educators in America, and the Emerging Artist Alumni Award presented by the University of Michigan School of Music, Theater, and Dance. And I'm sure it's just the beginning of many awards that are coming her way in her career. Dr. Claiborne serves as Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for the Francis Clark Center and also serves as co-chair of the DEI track for NCKP, the Piano Conference. She recently released a two-volume publication for elementary and intermediate level students called Expanding the Repertoire, Piano Music of Black Composers, published by Hal Leonard. She is the coordinator of keyboard studies at the University of the District of Columbia and also teaches history of African-American music. So, Welcome, Leah. Thank you so much. I'm excited for this. <laughs> this is a wonderful uh, opportunity. I've been looking forward to it. Um, as I mentioned, your your work has been, uh, I, I was going to say extensive, but it's more, it's just uh, impactful <laughs> um, And in recent years. And what I'm hoping we'll get to talk about a bit today mm -hmm. is how uh, this impact that you're you're actually at the beginning of having in mm -hmm. our career um how that grew out of your experience yeah from 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 childhood through college yes. and on so so let's start at the beginning okay let's do it <laughs> <laughs> with um music and uh the piano uh in your childhood mm -hmm. how did that all get started for you yeah so um I like to think about my Sunday mornings. Can I describe Sunday mm -hmm. mornings for you? So my Sunday mornings, um, I would get dressed up. <laughs> uh, my mom would take my sister and I to church. And my favorite part of church was, one, getting dressed up. I love getting, dressed <laughs> up. <laughs> um, getting dressed up, uh, going to church, and I would find a woman, um, she's the woman of the church, where the children would say a Bible verse. Hmm. And if you said it correctly, you got food. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would take the food into the sanctuary, which you really weren't supposed to do. And she was also the pianist. Um, so I would try to sit as close to her, or at least as close to whether the piano or the organ was going to be. Um, and I just loved kind of sitting back and eating my prize um, and watching this woman bring this community together mm. at the keyboard. And then um, when we went back home, um, when we would pull up to the driveway, the music in the house was blasting. And this mm. was not typical. This, mm. this, this is not typical. Um, 
but it was my dad listening to jazz music. He would have his uh, record player and he would just be listening um, to music. Now looking back, I really feel like that was my dad's sanctuary mm. in a way, sure. right? We went off to church um, and he created probably like these four hours of solitude <laughs> yeah. uh, for himself. Um, and that's when, you know, I, you know, put, you know, our regular day clothes on and I run downstairs and I would just be listening with my dad and looking at, um, the records. And what I loved so much was not only listening to these different artists, like Phil Davis Monk, um, Desi Gillespie, Nina Simone. Um, but I loved learning about the social impact mm. that these individuals were making with their music. Mm. Um, that from a very early age was incredibly powerful to me. Um, moving forward a little bit, uh, I wanted to play piano because my sister was playing piano. Um. Uh, I was a little one, so I was like, whatever Tiffany's doing, <laughs> I want to do it too. Right. Um, so that's how that's how it all started. My dad really wanted to make sure we started off with classical music. Mm, uh, my okay. dad has a really great ear, a uh, jazz player, mm -hmm. um, started reading later in life. So he wanted us to have a good foundation of like technique and mm -hmm. uh theory and um so he he found us a, a really beautiful teacher mm -hmm. um who ended up in many ways uh becoming like my godmother she was just incredibly close uh to to our family um so that's that's is that good for like the starting I, point I, I that's, that's where my that's starting point was the starting yeah. point mm -hmm. um so then your early uh piano instruction then mm -hmm. um how did that fit? I mean, obviously mm -hmm. it worked for you because it, it, yeah. it was your foundation right. at, the, at the piano. Um, how did that fit with your that musical experience that yeah. you were just describing about uh, the, the church and, yeah. and, and jazz? Did it feel like something separate from that or did it connect? You know, it really did feel separate. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that. Um, I... It did feel separate for a very long time mm. um, because a couple of reasons. So my my first piano teacher name was Carol Crewalt, mm. and um, she used this. At the time, I thought she was really, really tall. But <laughs> <laughs> that's the, right. you know the mindset. Um, but imagine like this five year old, um, and then looking at this towering um, blonde haired, blue eyed white woman from Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, and my first lesson, she picked me up um, and she would, she looked at me and she said, oh my, you're just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and that was just our starting point. There yeah. was so much love and um, support there. Mm -hmm. um, it was also very structured. Mm -hmm. um, the technique was, you know, for a certain amount of time, theory was a certain amount of time, repertoire was a certain amount of time. So it was... <clears throat> It was a pattern um, and a regimen, but I, I grew to really appreciate that. Um, but it was still the the diet, if you will, of the classics, mm -hmm. Bach, Mozart, right. Beethoven. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, but that was separate from the reason why I wanted to start piano right. in the first place, which was these jazz artists that were changing the world yeah. um, with their music. It really wasn't um, until I got into um, undergrad, mm -hmm. um, maybe even the 
the beginning points um, of auditioning for undergrad that I started to think about, gosh, what am I doing in this place, in this uh-huh. field, right? Yeah. I mean, what, right. um, what does someone who looks like me, what do I have to say or right. what are people thinking I have to yeah. say um, that, that makes me feel like I belong in this, in this space? Yeah. Um, I, I remember hearing you tell a story, mm-hmm. um, and I'll, I'll just prompt you to tell yeah, it sure. again, um, because it, it, it impacted me a great deal uh, in terms of looking at our profession and what we provide students, and how, for myself, that's always come from a very white perspective. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and the story is about when you and your sister went to a piano competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so could you tell that story? Would you be sure. Able to yeah, absolutely. So I want to tell that story. And I want to tell one other. It's very similar, oh, but at please. different stages. And I think uh-huh. it's um, important. So um, my sister and I, we actually started kind of like as this this duet and duo team. Okay. Again, whatever Tiffany's doing, I <laughs> let me do it too. Um, and honestly, my favorite part of that was dressing up again, like finding, you know, matching outfits. Um, and, and going to competitions, uh, doing these duets mm-hmm. with her. And um, there was one, actually, I think this was our first, comp- not I think, I know it was our first, it was my first competition, which I was really glad to be doing it alongside her. Sure. She she was older, four years older, so she had um, been doing it a bit more. And um, I really wanted, I wouldn't say I wasn't confident, but I'm glad that my first experience with entering competition was with her. Sure. Um, so we did, uh, actually, maybe I don't say the organization, just, I'll just say uh, the competition. Yeah. Okay. I will do the comp. We did this competition, um, very well-known, um, organization. And, um, we, we really were the best ones Mm. without a doubt. It was Mm -hmm. just the level of playing was so drastically different. Uh, Um, and I remember sitting back and listening to everyone. Um, I'll also say I'm very good at sitting back and listening and mm. observing. Um, yes. I recognize that like within my own personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was uh, kind of evaluating and calculating, and that was kind of my first time where I was like, hey, I think I think we have something here. Uh-huh. Like, this is feeling good, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, everyone finishes the competition. Um, everyone's performing. And um, the, the judge comes out and congratulates everyone. And um, she starts giving out the awards. And she gave out an award to every duet team except my sister and I. We were the only ones who were not recognized. So she had, like, Three first places, four oh second places, goodness. five third places, maybe like seven honorable mentions. Um, so everyone went up on stage. Um, so honestly, what I thought though was going to happen, I thought like these are the grand prize winners. Like yeah, I thought that right. was happening, right? right. Um, and that wasn't the case. It was just that that was the end. Um, and wow. Honestly, at that moment, I don't really think I understood what fully had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So what, what I do remember immediately after that was a group of parents who came up to my mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. Um, to apologize what had just happened. Ah. Um, to say, 
we feel so embarrassed with what has happened. Um, also saying we don't know what to do, um, but we hope that this doesn't somehow um, prevent your children from continuing on. Right. Um, so I again, I'm kind of sitting back and um, looking and thinking about this. Um, but two things were really important um, to me, which was when we got into the car, my parents did not shy away from explaining to us racism. Right. So in many ways, my first experience with racism was through this field oh, of yeah. piano. Yeah. Wow. And I think that really paints a different picture of my journey through, Absolutely. through this field. Absolutely. Right. <clears throat> the other part um, with that is we went to my cousin's house immediately after um, they explained the situation <clears throat> to them. And what I remember is being celebrated mm. to the max right. with family. And so that created um, probably a little bit of a divide in a world that I understood the world or because my world right. was classical music yeah. might not be fair because yeah. of like the color of my skin right. um, and things that I have no control over. Right. But even so, if you have community right. or if you have family, that's where you can be celebrated. And that, I think, is, is something that... that we know happened to black composers in this Absolutely. country. Absolutely, right. They, you know, they hit walls and were mm -hmm. uh, ignored, but within their own community. Exactly. Celebrated. That's yeah. where you find, that, yeah. You know, the whole, uh, in, in readings that I've done recently about mm -hmm. Florence Price, exactly. it's like, oh, there was this whole group Huge of community. Of community. Right. And, and like you say, there, there's this divide mm -hmm. that exists and I'll say from a white perspective, mm -hmm. we don't know that. Mm. That, you know, that's right. for myself, sure. that's the part of discovery. I see. I think that in recent years I've had about white-centric. Sure. Uh, white-centering white within our profession. Sure. It's, you know, we, we uh, I should say that we're, Leah is putting together a uh, course for mm -hmm. the, the center <laughs> on Diversity, equity, inclusion, and the, and the phrase is uh, looking at piano teaching through the lens of yes. diversity, equity, inclusion, and and I just want to mention that because most of us in this profession have looked at it through the lens of whiteness. Sure, sure. And and so so and your your story here, and there's the the other story I want to hear you say too. Mm -hmm. The thing that I want to remind our listeners is is that you were a child. Yeah. And, and, and these are formative mm -hmm. experiences with music. Definitely. And then, and you're just going about your love, yeah, your absolutely. passion. Right. And then something happens and it's like, what is this about? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just giving me pause. And then there, yeah. there's the other story about checking in at a competition. Yes. Um, so this was checking in at uh, my undergrad at, oh, that was yeah, that? at Where Manhattan that was? School of Music. Yes. Ah. Um, and already, you know, the feelings of excitement, um, but also nervousness mm -hmm. and um, all of these things. And um, I remember, I mean, it's not a large, it wasn't a large building. It's still not a large building. Yeah. But trying to find a specific hall where the piano majors could gather together um, for, for orientation. Just mm -hmm. say, this is our department. 
Um, these are going to be your peers for the next four years. Um, and I got there rather early. Um, and when I, when I, was, I looked um, to a person, I said, I don't know if I'm in the right place. I couldn't see signs. Um, but um, I said, I'm looking for the piano gathering. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I use orientation. Yeah. Um, and the response to me was, oh, this is not the jazz department. And proceeded to tell me where I right. could find that, which was happening at the same time, the orientation. Um, but that, just that first, you know. They didn't say that to white students. I don't think so, right? I don't think so. I don't think that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have to say this too, because I think it talks about how I was prepared for these moments. Mm-hmm. Um, that although that was that gut punch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you do once you walk in at this space, right? right. To say this is your first day or orientation um, in for, for piano. Um, and I remember something my mom always told me, um, which she often would tell me about churches or schools, mm-hmm. that if you ever feel that you don't belong in a place, mm-hmm. sit up front. Ah. Because then you don't get to see anything behind you That's you're true. there for a reason you're there for a purpose so get yeah. the information that you came there to mm-hmm. get um so i remember that moment i said you know what i'm sitting up front today and i just decided to continue with that to just right. sit up front you deserve to be there i'm not thinking about what's happening behind me mm-hmm. i'm here for this information yeah. um so those were two actually not just two but those were yeah pivotal points yeah. from early um early childhood um and then also when i'm saying to myself this is something i really want to pursue mm-hmm. um those those were definitely moments that um impacted me yeah, yeah. the the second story when when i first heard you tell it when mm-hmm. i looked at it from the viewpoint of obviously from I, uh, your your reaction to it, but mm-hmm. I was thinking about the person who checked you in, mm. and the the system that we've created sure. that made it so that their assumption would be yeah. that you were there for the the jazz, right? And and uh, that really was the thing that really mm. struck me to the core and made me re- really look at how how do we as teachers change that yeah so that music really is for everyone yeah absolutely um and and one of the things then of course because you exposed me to lots of wonderful music by mm-hmm. black, black composers when yeah. she did our our course uh, <laughs> on uh, music by black composers um was to look at that repertoire and mm-hmm. and uh, at that time in my career i wasn't teaching full-time anymore but i mm-hmm. was thinking about doing a program and so it's yeah. like okay this is when I'm going to do yeah. that because it, 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 it's so important for just audiences yeah. to change their understanding yeah. change of, the of, of who's involved in music. Yeah. And so anyway, I, it, and, and I should also say that if I had been teaching uh, still uh, children mm-hmm. at the time, I know it, it would have impacted the material I gave to my Definitely. students too. Right. right. Um, so anyway, um, let's move now mm-hmm. into, you go to college. I go to college, yes. <laughs> and of course, there's that fabulous repertoire mm-hmm. by Western European yes. composers yes. that we love yeah. and adore. Um, 
when did you realize or discover there mm -hmm. was something else? So I didn't realize until I got to grad school. Wow. Right? Um, and when I say that, I realized for, for a really long time, there was a lot of shame with that recognition that oh. I wasn't, it's not just that I wasn't exposed to the music mm -hmm. um, by black composers or diverse composers in general. Right. It's the fact that I never, it wasn't on my radar to think about that. And that's the part where I had shame associated to it. That's interesting because yeah. I, I view it as the institution. Sure. That it's mm -hmm. their shame. I'm a product of it. You're a product right? of it. But I totally understand mm -hmm. what you're saying. You know, how, why wouldn't I know about right. that? Right. And also because this is when it started to link together because it also forced me to think about why I started this in the first place. Why I started this in the first place wasn't because I heard Mozart or Beethoven. No. The reason I started this is because my dad created a sanctuary uh -huh. and told me about the history of black community influencing uh -huh. their society and their country yeah. through music. And somehow I got so far away, mm -hmm. but also realizing how quickly how closely linked it was. Um, so I, when I went to uh, grad school at University of Michigan, mm -hmm. um, my pedagogy teacher, um, I didn't even know this for the longest time, even he was my teacher, but he had, uh, his teacher was Arthur Cunningham, really fantastic uh, black composer. Um, and we had a project, I think it was leveling music. Now I, I can't remember what the actual mm -hmm. project was. Um, but he had asked me if I had performed any music by black composers or just kind mm -hmm. of like sure. regular conversation, yeah. um, innocent conversation. But my answer was just no. I mean, mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't even say Florence Price probably at the right. time. Um, so that was, that was a moment that I needed to sit with for mm -hmm. a while. Mm -hmm. Um, the questions of, well, why don't I know this? Um, why haven't I ever been exposed? Um, why haven't I thought to think about this or seek this repertoire out? Um, so again, there was a lot on me, um, mm -hmm. but that was, that was the start of discovery. Mm -hmm. um, I came to him later and said, I, I would like to sort out my dissertation work with looking at black Composers because mm -hmm. I know so little about this. Mm -hmm. um, I just kind of very naive said, "Let's." I just want to see what's out there. Mm -hmm. um, and then I quickly realized that I can't make a dissertation on black piano music by black composers. It's it was too much. Yeah, there was too. I'm saying too much in a in a good way, right? There was so much yeah. repertoire. Yeah. that I mean, you would need a, an institute to mm -hmm. to to compile all this. Um, so what I wanted to do, I knew that my strengths, um, you know, as I'm journeying through was leveling. I mm -hmm. really enjoyed understanding, um, looking at a student quickly, mm -hmm. looking at their musical and technical abilities and figuring out repertoire choices. Mm -hmm. um, I was really geeking out in that area. <laughs> so I thought to myself, one, I, that's going to be fun for me to do. Uh -huh. um, so how can I do that with black composers? Uh -huh. um, so that's what I... Um, <clears throat> how I started uh, categorizing my research, mm -hmm. level one, you know, level 10, using Jane McGraw's mm -hmm. um, 
um, leveling system as mm-hmm. you know the starting point or also RCM yeah. um, or East Henson. Um, so using these these tried and true leveling systems that all teachers know and looking at how black composers, how their music can fit alongside that same leveling system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, this just popped in my head. Yeah. I'm wondering at that time mm-hmm. of discovery, yes. of initially looking at this music, mm-hmm. who were the bright shining star composers that you went, oh my gosh. Yeah, I would, first off, always Irene Britton-Smith. Huh. Irene Britton-Smith, um, uh, also Blanche K. Thomas. These mm-hmm. are these are names. Um, first, Irene Britton-Smith, because my first uh my first trip to the Center of, Mus- of, Center of Black Music Research mm. um, here in Chicago, ah. right? Uh, so it was a very, I'm very lucky that it was so convenient to take yeah. a train ride um, from Michigan into right. uh, that incredible um, library and resource. Um, but very naive. Remember, first time ever yeah. being in an archival library. Right. Um, I went online and saw you know, their listing of um, um, of the composers that they had. And I was looking through what composers who had piano music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I saw this name, didn't know anything about it. And I asked, can I see the piano music um, or the music of Irene Britton Smith? Mm-hmm. Um, and the first question was, well, what years? Oh, wow. Right, I don't know. <laughs> her years, right? Yeah. Like, okay, but I mean, this—I say that because it—it it really changed uh, my understanding of archival libraries. Mm. One is that I, when they brought out these boxes, twenty-two boxes, by the way, I was listening wow. to Nyaho um, and Susie talk about the Schomburg Library and just boxes and boxes. Mm-hmm. That is so common with these composers. Yeah, so so common. And I don't want to paint a picture that these are just 20, you know, 20 boxes of um, scores that are ready to go and finished, right? But it's 22 boxes of a life's work right. that is just sitting on the shelves. Mm-hmm. And in one way, you get this moment of, wow, look at all this incredible music. Mm-hmm. And then that same second later, it's also like, wow. <laughs> Look at this incredible music that has just been sitting here. And I always paint this analogy that sometimes archival libraries, they, they remind me of graveyards. Mm-hmm. That we have these markers of an individual's life. And once they've died, um, also, a lot of times, if they didn't have, um, if one, if they weren't celebrated that much, right. or if they didn't have um, any offspring or family members mm-hmm. who were aware um, or knew what to do to take on um, the task of having the rights of their estates, so many once they die, their music has died with them, yeah. and they're just staying in these in these libraries. Um, so the story of Irene Britton Smith, um, I think her music, her piano music, is absolutely wonderful. Um, and she was, uh, maybe I kind of like fantasize about it a little bit, but she <laughs> was like my driving force. Like how many other Irene Britton Smiths are out there? Right. Right. Um, and then also Blanche K. Thomas, uh, because again, it's always the story behind these mm-hmm. composers that I love mm-hmm. the most. 
And Blanche K. Thomas, um, one of the first black women to have a degree at Juilliard for both composition and piano. Oh my goodness. Um, and she wanted to take African-American folk melodies mm -hmm. like the spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, and she wanted to create, not wanted, she did create an institution um, in Harlem mm. for black youth. So she's taking her own research and her own compositions and giving it to black youth um, and promoting it for the next generation. Wow. And that's something that really impacted me. I was already doing that. Um, didn't realize I was doing that um, at Michigan. Um, but to hear her story um, was really, really beautiful. So mm -hmm. for me, the discovery, there's one aspect of the discovery of this music, mm -hmm. but it's also this discovery of the storylines that aligned so yeah. much with yeah. what I was living and experiencing. Exactly. Yeah. Which actually, what we were just mentioning about the, the school in Harlem um, I brings up something that I wanted to talk to you about because I know that while you were a graduate student mm -hmm. at U of M, you created the Our Own Thing piano program yes. along with Dr. Willis Patterson. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think it's a, another wonderful aspect of your, the impact that I, you seek to have. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's diversity in repertoire and mm -hmm. understanding that, but there's also equity. Yeah. And and so I was wondering if you could talk about uh, that because it's a great example mm -hmm. of equitable practice and my sure. understanding it was, you came up, you, you thought about this yeah. and you went to uh, John Ellis yes. and said, <laughs> I wanna do this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just kind of briefly describe sure. why sure, and, and sure. what it was that that you started so that mm -hmm. we have, because uh, I think it's a great example of looking at what we do a different way sure. and how to be more equitable and inclusive. Yeah. In well, I I first want to say I did not even know the term equitable practices oh, <laughs> when, yeah. when doing any no. of this. Um, I didn't know it, most of these terms. I often think now about what did I need? What did Leah need at different stages mm, sure. of my life, right? right? Um, what did Leah need as a five-year-old? Mm -hmm. Leah probably, not probably, how beautiful would it have been that I wasn't the only black person in my studio? Right. That um, when I went to competitions, I saw another body of black individuals mm -hmm. um, on stage, right? Mm -hmm. um, so with that in mind, I feel that when I was at Michigan, um, I was the only black student in mm. piano, mm. Um, excuse me, for in the classical area, right. um, which, is, which is often the case, right, for sure. still today with, with yeah. many institutions. Mm -hmm. um, and with, with that being said, I, I need a community, right? Mm -hmm. I realized from day one of competition, there yeah. is gonna be my journey with classical piano but I need a community to feel right. like I had a place um, that I could be celebrated, that I can kind of let my hair down mm -hmm. and people see mm -hmm. me for me and be comfortable with mm -hmm. that. Um, so really, I, I was creating something again that I needed. Mm -hmm. So I was already embedded into a community. Um, there's this area called Ypsilanti, mm -hmm. Michigan, um, not too far from Ann Arbor. Um, and I was already embedded in that community because I was playing in churches in black churches 
Um, so with that being said, I already had a relationship um, with the black community, but also the leaders, the community leaders, mm-hmm. one being Willis Patterson, Dr. Patterson, um, who will forever and always just be the greatest you know, mentor in person, yeah. someone who I look up to. Yeah. Um, first black dean um, at University of Michigan, um, just uh, the most humble and also charismatic individual mm-hmm. that straddles that so well. Um, so he had this program and has this program called the Our Own Thing um, instructional program. And it was this idea where students in the community would come to a church um, and then there would be uh, teachers who would also come to the church and you teach them, mm-hmm. whether it's um, cello, strings. Um, the issue with keyboard, as we know, is you often only have one or two keyboards or if you can put a couple in some spaces. Piano's hard. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not as portable and right. work around. So um, I taught a couple of lessons, not many. I'm going to say I, it wasn't a lot because mm-hmm. I said this is a problem. <laughs> yeah. Like this. This is. We could make so much more impact here. So I went first to uh, my advisor, John Ellis, who was not only the. Ch- he is the chair of pedagogy, mm-hmm. but he was also perfectly positioned. I didn't know at the time that he was also dean, I think, of partnerships oh. and community. I mean, he he does so much at that school. I didn't yeah. even know that was part of his role. Yeah. Um. So I came to him and I said, hey, what would it be like if Saturdays <laughs> when the you know, when our piano keyboard labs aren't being used, can we have the members of this community come into our space, which was also very important to me that it wasn't the other way around U of M going into, but mm-hmm. the community coming in right. uh, to University of Michigan. Um, can we can we have this? Can we have a program? Um, I just it's so beautiful that he was just yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was yes, and let's figure it out along the way together uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, instead of I don't think so, but right. you know I'll come back to you. You know, it was yes. just yes. Um, so I learned so much during that process. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that first year, I think I had seven students. Well, totally fine. Yeah. More, actually more than I could handle. Yeah, right. <laughs> more than I can handle, especially I was figuring it out. Um, and then every year after that, it just it started growing and started growing and started growing to the point we needed more teachers. Um, what I love about that program, and I think is a testament to any program, is that when the creator or the person who started it can leave and then the community says this is something we still want right. to have happen um and that was the case i yeah. i left um other teachers came in and now i i came back uh this year it's it's a it's a different program and mm-hmm. i say that in such a beautiful way yeah. there are so many other students whether they're theater majors um or uh, vocal majors um, and they're they're teaching. They're teaching this their their community and their youth, and they're creating this huge impact and beautiful relationship. Um, so that's that's why I started it. And I also wanted to make sure that my work, this research, my dissertation mm-hmm. work, that they had a understanding that there are so many other composers who look like them. Yeah. Um, as they went through their their starting fundamental years of piano. Yeah, um, I think I think it's just a wonderful example of the role of music in community yeah. and the role of community in music. Right. Yeah. You know, they're both. Yeah. Exactly. Goes both ways. 
and and that community being a diverse one. Mm -hmm. Just a very uh, important work. I wanted to touch on your new projects, your new goals. New projects, um, new because goals. Okay. We, we know, you know, what we know and and love who you are now and mm -hmm. what you've brought to our field. What what are you looking for next? We're uh, doing this course um, that's highlighting pedagogy and, mm -hmm. you know, pedagogy through this lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion, piano teaching specifically. Um, and what I've learned so much from looking at the work of Susie Garcia or listening to how Artina is approaching repertoire, right? Um, and even here at NCKP, listening to um, people like uh, uh, J.P. Murphy, who's designing a corset at Oklahoma through this lens, right? Mm. Um, I, I feel really inspired. Um, and I also feel inspired to change a lot of my thought process. Um, I, I always tell people the more information we have and know, we shouldn't hold on to old thoughts and viewpoints. So mm -hmm. I'm constantly changing. Mm -hmm. um, and I I like admitting that, right? Mm -hmm. I think right. we should be. I think we need to keep keep listening to conversations mm -hmm. and, and sit with it for a while. Um, I do feel like I had the unique position this year to serve on the planning committee for MTNA mm -hmm. and the planning committee for NCKP. Mm -hmm. So truly i almost had a thousand proposals wow you know with yeah. you know combined with what mtna represented and what nckp a thousand proposals of teachers across the country and looking at what are some of the trends that we see yes what i would love to start seeing more of mm -hmm. um and what i recognize is there's definitely a shift and a divide happening where some people are still celebrating composers for the sake of the diversity that they contribute which absolutely needs to happen right um but i also see this other beautiful shift which i'm wanting to continue to promote which is that okay we're aware now mm -hmm. or we should be aware right there's so much effort um resources uh where you you need to be aware right mm -hmm. But now what do you do with that? I love seeing proposals. I love seeing people talk about the pedagogy behind certain things, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I think, I don't want to name it because I don't want to say the wrong one, but I, I like the when it's um, like the waltzes of Florence Price. Yes. Or um, mm -hmm. I'm doing a lecture recital later today, um, you know, uncovering the pedagogy behind the spiritual, mm -hmm. right? So instead of saying this is a body of work by this composer what about the composer mm -hmm. what are we offering pedagogically right. about the what's unique about that exactly. um so i love i love that mindset um when we're discussing this as i think it gets to the heart of the teacher mm -hmm. um it gets to the heart of of the student when they know what am i gaining from this um, and i really think that's how we start influencing I don't like the word canon, um, uh -huh. but that's that's one way to do it. Um, what else? I also just personally, I I I had a year where I, I had to say no to a lot of things, mm -hmm. and 
then I had a year this year where I said yes <laughs> <laughs> to a lot of things. Um, so with both of those, like the pendulum went this way and then it went this way. And um, I think I'm entering into this next academic year um, with sorting through. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have a concrete answer right now. Not to say I don't already have uh, lots sure. lined up that I'm saying, but I think it's a unique position yeah. um, to do what I love, which is to sit back mm-hmm. um, and process. Right. And sit back and process doesn't mean I'm inactive, mm-hmm. but it's it allows me to figure out where I'm aligning, right. um, where I'm aligning things. Um, clearly, you're you're not static. I hope not. Yeah, it doesn't and, feel that way. Yeah, and, and as you were talking about that, mm-hmm. I mean, I I think it it's interesting. I think societally, mm-hmm. um, that's just the way we have to be too. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 make these new discoveries, yeah. and sometimes we get a little uh, consumed, sure. looking at one end, but but then you know it swings, it and and then integration right. happens. Um, but I, I thought, um, I, I remembered, actually, it was at Francis Clark's memorial service mm. when Richard Cronister was talking, and, yeah. and he said, many of us might be inclined to think, what would Francis do? Mm-hmm. And he said, the fact is, she never did the same thing every year. Mm. It always changed. I love that. And, and I think oh. it's, it's that. I love you know, that. So it's, it's, it's that kind of yeah. outlook on, yeah. on our work, where you're constantly reevaluating yeah reformulating yeah so i totally understand you you're gonna make see you're gonna maybe get emotional but that's (laughs) i think that's how it should be yeah and i think if it's done right um things take time Mm -hmm. oh yeah things take time and i think we live in a society where it if you're busy you're worthy Mm -hmm. um and i i i try to not get to that Right. right Right. I want to make sure that what I'm doing is intentional right. and that there's meaning behind it. Exactly. And I'm not always going to be ready for what my next thing is mm-hmm. until I've sat back yeah. and kind of did an evaluation process. Right. Um, or I sit back and I and I listen to uh, my elders or people with more wisdom. Um, or, you know, like there has to be moments of pause and evaluation before you take the next step. Right. Um, so I'm celebrating mm-hmm. what I do feel I'm in a season of evaluating and taking mm-hmm. a pause yeah. um, to to see how I'm how I'm proceeding right. forward. Right. Well, we we ask every one of our guests the okay. same question here, <laughs> um, and that is, how does piano inspire you? Ooh. Piano has allowed me to find my voice. Mm. Um. To find my voice and to feel comfortable mm-hmm. with whatever that voice is. And it's a voice that's, const- as we say, it's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I change, the the confidence to feel okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a space that I like to create as a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm always giving my students tools and resources to identify who they are, to find their voice, and then say, you have something so special mm-hmm. that no one else can say. Right. Um, so finding my voice and making sure I'm always doing that for the next generation inspires me to to be me, the full me. Well, thank you for inspiring this thank profession. You. Thank you. <laughs>
Thank you, Craig. It's wonderful to to have this time with you and to get to know just more about the the trajectory of Mm -hmm. your life, um, which is not a very long life yet. You know, (laughs) sometimes I feel real old. (laughs) Well, yeah. I woke up today, yawned, I was like, "Ah, I can't, yeah, I can't uh, move. But no, I I think uh, it's just... uh, it's impactful work that you've done. Mm-hmm. And and what I found today is it's a very inspiring story. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much, Greg. The Francis Clark Center is a not-for-profit educational organization that serves the advancement of piano teaching, learning, and performing. Divisions include Piano Magazine, Piano Inspires Kids, Journal for Piano Research, National Conference on Keyboard Pedagogy, the New School for Music Study, Piano Education Press, International Online Teacher Education, and Piano Inspires Online Community Hub. Please visit us at pianoinspires.com to learn more about our impactful work and inspiring community.